Warning, today's episode contains some talk of violence. It's going to come during the triumph and fail section, starting at around the six and a half minute mark, and go to about 12 minutes in the episode. So that's the window. You can skip if you don't want to hear that today. Thanks. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, November 2nd, the Boys and Their Toys edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10 and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. Today on the show, we've got a kid who's very into good guy versus bad guy play, and a parent who's worried that this is actually the beginning of some ideas about toxic masculinity. We're also going to catch up on our weekend parenting, and then, if you're in the Slate Plus Club, we're going to be talking about a recent episode of Radio Lab. It really made us think, and we think you'll love it too. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. The mundane of like, make breakfast, do this, you know, is is totally gone because you have this this person in your house that you don't know what they're going to do. Like they don't follow the normal rules. So at the end when they're like, they kind of say like, well, your life because you have kids is boring. And to me, I feel like the kids make my life not boring. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if it's fair to say, I think she's kind of joking when yeah. Lulu refers to her own life as as boring but it's like this research says that having kids shortens your felt sense of time by becoming a slate plus member you'll enjoy a weekly bonus segment and all your beloved slate podcasts without any advertisements it's the ultimate way to enhance your listening experience while also providing vital supports to show you can join slate plus today by visiting slate.com slash mom and dad plus all right we're gonna jump into triumphs and fails as soon as we get back from this short break All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. And we're back. Elizabeth, what have you been up to this week? Okay, so Sunday, we were supposed to have a, like, class picnic for the first grade. And I'm not going to lie, I was not really looking forward to it. Like, I know I've been talking about how we need friends. This is, like, the kind of thing we we have to go to um, because we need to be meeting people. But it is just so awkward, you guys. Like, um, a lot of the class, like I said, the children speak English, but the parents do not. And so the mm. conversations are sometimes awkward. Plus, even when we have the class picnic or something like that, I we're the whole families are coming and we are just a very large family here. Um, and but we need to like bring everyone because we want people to meet everybody and the the boys are happier when they're with their, you know, brothers and like do we want to leave them at home when they could come. So we're all planning on going. Um, but Sunday mornings also Jeff is in this run club so he gets up super early and goes running so 
I uh, wake up because it is like thundering. (laughs) Jeff is gone and I pick up my phone and it says that the first grade picnic is canceled on this um, group thread. And I'm like Uh kind of relieved. But then there's all these other messages and I scroll down and a parent has said, oh, the new camps have offered to host us at their house. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry. What? What? (laughs) It's like 7 a.m. Um. So I'm like frantically trying to text Jeff, <laughs> like what has happened? And I mean, we we are very lucky in that we are in a larger home for Tokyo. We are not in a home that can accommodate, let's say, 14 children and their families. Like we could all physically be in the home, but could we <laughs> like where would the children play? <laughs> Like, uh, and if it w- if it were nice, like there's a park not too far away. Like there, if if there had been some thought, so I finally get a hold of him. He's like, yes, I messaged the mom, the like class mom, to say that maybe we could host, but I needed to talk to you. And she just posted it on the board. So now I'm like, not only did I not want to go to this thing, we have now volunteered to host. So I'm either gonna have to let people down. Like I just, I, it's like. Canceling is one thing, but letting everyone down to me is a whole nother mm-hmm. thing. Like now mm-hmm. we've gotten their hopes up and now we're going to be like, oops, sorry. Um, and in my world, we would just never say anything. Like if if I thought, oh, maybe we should do this, I would definitely talk to Jeff first. And of course, he didn't think they were going to post it to the group board. We don't know how things work here. So we finally decide that we need to basically say... If there are 14 families still planning to come, we can't host. But if it's like a smaller number, we could host. Meanwhile, though, Teddy has like heard us discussing and he thinks that his whole class is coming to our house and he is like so excited. So we kind of put this thing like, look, we can't really have everyone come. Um, And another mom is like, well, maybe we could do some smaller groups, blah, blah, blah. It eventually shakes out that like two families are going to come to our house. And then there are other smaller groups that are like getting together. It's like, okay, this is great. We end up having these these two families over. And uh, first of all, Teddy is delighted. The kids are like so great. There's one little boy, one little girl. They are having like the best time. The two moms is like super awkward, but super fun. Uh, but it turns out one of the moms has a fourth grader that is not in like is in the same school, but not in Oliver's class. Um, but they're having such a good time. She calls the dad and the fourth grader to come over. And Oliver in particular, just being like quiet, has had a much harder time connecting um, with people. In fact, when we went to his parent teacher conferences, they sort of said, you know, your kid is not making friends. Otherwise, he's doing fine. We're like, yeah, he listed on a sheet, like, who are your friends? He wrote no one, you know, just these, like, really tragic things. But this kid shows up, and he's, like, all in Harry Potter gear. And he and Oliver end up having this wonderful time. And I feel like, so despite me wanting nothing to do with any of this and just being a real downer on the day, um, we left with, like, Teddy having a great time and Oliver having a friend who sat with him yes. on the bus on a field trip Aww. yesterday. So oh, cute. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> My negative attitude was unnecessary. That that does sound stressful, though, but that is some nice silver lining. It was good. What are you guys up to? Um, is it my turn? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, this is going to be a dark one. I wasn't on the show last week because it was a couple days after our dear friend was murdered. Sam Wool was one of my wife's best friends. She was 40 and uh, she was murdered uh, on October 21st. By the way, if you're you're wondering, 
we don't know who did it. There, there hasn't been anyone arrested yet. So, so that's, that's still lingering. Um, and Sam was this incredible person who was like, to be crass, like the least likely person to be killed. Um, she's had no enemies and was like this incredible bridge builder and just one of the great people of all time. And so we have never known grief like this. Oh man, it's been, it's been the, you know, it's been the worst. Mm. It was, it's been about 10 days and it's felt like both like a year of misery, even though it's just been 10 days, but it, it, we've been beside ourselves, disoriented. And to a certain degree, I've known that we can't keep this from the kids mm. because it's too apparent. It is too uh, obvious that we are heartbroken and I don't want them to feel like their parents are unable to parent, you know? Um, and so Ami doesn't know anything. Um, he's, you know, he's three and well, who knows what he knows? I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume, but I don't, I don't think he, he necessarily knows what's going on, but Noah, um, is super perceptive and to, to make this all the more surreal, Sam died a day before Shira's sister's wedding. So we were at, it was, it was Shira's sister's wedding weekend. We were with a bunch of family when we found out. And so the day of the wedding and the funeral, Shira and Noah actually got their nails done, um, which is super cute. And that's when Shira decided to tell Noah. And understandably, Noah was like, how did she die? Um, and he, she has continued to ask, how did she die? And that's some that's where I've drawn my line and we've drawn a line like, she can't know about the idea of murder, that it's real. Yeah. She's six. And so what we've been saying is, you know, we don't know. It was all of a sudden. She wasn't sick, but it was all of a sudden. Um, and we just don't know, but we're super sad. So that's been kind of our party line, which I, I think she has, she's bought. And we've been talking about it on and off. And because the pain is so visceral and on the surface right now, like I picked her up from school the other day and was just crying. And she was like, adults don't cry. And it must have been the first time she saw me cry from tears of sadness. Like she certainly certainly seen me like cry tears of laughter and tears of joy and pride. But I think that it, it probably was the first time or at least the first time she clocked tears of grief. And so she said, adults don't cry. And I was like, actually, we do. Like we absolutely cry. Um, and mommy and daddy are super sad right now. But we're not going to always be this sad. But we're really sad right now because we miss Sam. We miss our friend. And then she got that. And uh, we have continued to talk about Sam and have continued to conceal the cause of Sam's death at the same time. So failure of humanity for yeah. taking Sam away from us. <clears throat> I'm telling you, if we didn't have kids, I do not see how the fuck we would be getting up out of bed. You know, so thank you to my children for giving me a reason to just put one foot in front of the other right now. Zach, we've been thinking of you. It's so, it's awful. Like there's just no words. Yeah, thank you. And and it's really has meant a lot to me that, that you two have both checked in with me. And, and, and truly the only um, bit of solace we've found is just by like, being in community with those other people who loved Sam and just the amount of text threads and conversations we've been having with other lovers of Sam Wool has been, you know, what what has kept our heads above water. So, yeah, thank you too for for being there for me last week and and beyond. 
I do want to say that we, you know, you're living through this moment in parenting where it's like we try to lay all these stones to protect our kids from this, but also let them know about life and life still happens. And it's hard. Like, it's, yeah. it's hard and you're doing it for the first time, too. Because in my head, too, I'm thinking it's such a community loss. Like, mm-hmm. you almost have to guard them, too. Like, are they going to hear something? I know. I'm worried about the her community. finding out at school. Um, and especially as it gets further away from the event, I think people, adults, sometimes lose a sense that there are still tiny ears who might not understand everything and yes. um, can't process it, you know? Yes, I know. There, I mean, the... I don't know when the day is going to come, but it's going to come when yeah, she finds yeah. out. I mean, it, right. Um, like, ev- right. It, but it hopefully is not soon. Um, I know, but I, I, do, I do worry about it. Yeah. 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 Ugh. Yeah. Well, we're thinking. Zach, I'm just so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I you. read a few articles about Sam and she sounded like a really incredible woman. Mm. The best. The best. But, uh. Yeah, I'll I'll keep you all posted on. We're gonna do a lot of stuff. There's a there's a, a a truism in Judaism. May her memory be, may may their memory be a blessing. And so we're we might make a book. There there's I think some real beautiful things that we're gonna make for Sam and about Sam. And I'll I'll keep folks posted about that. Um, so you can learn more about her as uh, the weeks pass and as the 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 fog of grief hopefully lifts a little bit. Obviously, we love you, and we love your family you. and, Thank and you. your community and want to be here for you. I feel it. Thanks. Thanks, both of you. And to Maura and Rosie, who've also been um, super, super kind. So, our producers. Okay, because, I mean, we, I could talk about Sam all day. So, let's let's move on. Jamila, give me, give me something to live for. <laughs> no pressure, Jamila. <laughs> no pressure. Well, unfortunately, I have a fail. <laughs> It's okay. Have a feel. So Naeem was playing volleyball, which I've mentioned before. And last weekend, she had two games on Friday night and two games on Saturday morning. That's a lot of that's a lot of volleyball. That's volleyball a lot of spiking. weekend. It's <laughs> a lot of volleyball. Hope you like volleyball. Um, oh yeah, I love girls beginner volleyball. <laughs> it's great. But it takes like twelve um, serves to get it over the net. Yeah. Like when a serve actually makes it over the net, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> That's the triumph right yeah! there. Yeah. <laughs> the ball's in play. The ball's in play. And so um so I went on Friday night and she stayed with her dad and she got hurt. She ended up like long story, but she got a black eye on Friday. Right. And I... I didn't think I know. I didn't think that she was going to go on Saturday. I thought she was going to sit Saturday out. And I also left my cell phone at a restaurant on Friday night. Okay. So I don't have my phone, which is also like my alarm. So I'm just like, well, she's not going to volleyball. I don't have to go to these Saturday games. Right. And she definitely played in both Saturday games, and I was not there. Oh, because she was sleeping at her dad's Friday night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And so I have warned her I might not make it to the Saturday games because I'm taking my comedy class on Saturday. And usually, like, that's the day where I do my writing. You know, like, I write my material and practice for a few hours before I go. And I knew that, like, if I went to the game, I really wouldn't have time to do that. So I had warned her I might not be there. But... Was she mad? I feel... 
She wasn't. She was cool about it, but I just feel bad, you know? No. I know. Don't feel bad. Only because, listen, if if there were multiple children involved, you wouldn't be at every one of her game. Like, the expectation that you're at everything, it is, I just think, a privilege she has from being an only mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sounds like there's going to be a bunch more games. There's going to yeah, be a bunch no more shortage. games. <laughs> We'll be back at it on Friday night. How did? But you got your phone back on Saturday. I got my phone back on Saturday. I wasn't able to get it to the evening because the restaurant didn't open until nighttime. So I was off the grid for a day. How was that? That must yeah. have been nice. Ah, uh, she actually did Facetime me after her game. So like, I answered it from my computer. So yeah. I did okay. talk to her. But aside from that, it was pretty cool. Right. It's nice to get a little break. Yeah. Uh, is she enjoying volleyball more than basketball? She seems to be. Um, she's really vocal. You know, I think she's a little more skilled at basketball just because she's had, like, years of practice. But, like, she's really vocal and, like, a leader on the team, oh, you cool. know. Like, you know, not the strongest player yet, but a lot of heart. A she's lot only, of heart. It's only been a couple months, couple right? weeks. Not even like yeah. it's been like maybe a month. Does she have friends month, on the team? She does. She does. So like they have three teams that play at the rec center and like they play each other. Oh, that's and fun. so like some of her friends are on other teams, but she's made friends with girls on this team and she seems really happy with it. Oh, good. That's awesome. Good for her. Very proud of her. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our listener question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. Here is our question. Dear mom and dad, how have parents dealt with children's shifting interests and behaviors when they start showing a preference for certain activities and play dynamics that might reinforce traditional gender roles and exclusionary behavior? My son is all of a sudden very interested in good guys versus bad guys, some violent play, mostly with sticks, and some boys only, no girls play. Some of this comes from an older playground friend who has a little sister and is clearly trying to differentiate himself, but I'm wondering how others have handled this mini toxic masculinity bullshit. Sign, ugh, I thought this was going better. What do you think, Zach? Well, before I... I did a little research i too might have been a little concerned um but i think it is premature to call this uh toxic masculinity um and i think that in fact what your kid is doing is entirely normal 
there, there's a book that you might be interested in. It's called Under Dead Man's Skin, Discovering the Meaning of Children's Violent Play by the author Jane Catch. And one thing she writes is that all children love to play good guys and bad guys because it's how they explore what it means to be powerful. And if you're a rule-following kid most of the time, it's really fun to pretend to be the bad guy. Um, and so there's all this research from social psychologists and parenting experts about, I think, the, just the the benefit of this type of play. A, a psychologist that I found in through an article from, from Parent Magazine that we'll link to, they were hesitant to, to even call something like this violent play. It's just play. Um, and there's also no study that shows a correlation a correlation between childhood play and adult violence. So I think like my my opening you know idea here is that this is normal and um, from what from what we understand based solely on the question, I don't know what's going on at home. I don't know if they're working through some stuff in in play that uh, you know they they might have seen at at home or on TV. But from from what I understand, like your kid's being a kid. I completely co-signed that and wanted to separate for this question kind of the good guy, bad guy play, which to me, Zach, like you said, very normal. Yes, right. It's, Imaginative, it's two different things here. Working Between on empathy. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, this might be one of my most Googled things as a parent personally, <laughs> because I just felt like the boys, particularly mine, loved to be the bad guy. Like the fights were over who could be the bad guy. And so I'm like, am I raising, <laughs> you know, like, what am I doing wrong? Uh, and just to realize like, no, they're experimenting with things in play that they know they wouldn't do in real life. It is a great way to learn empathy. I want to add that if um, if you're really worried about it, ask them like around the dinner table, like, hey, in this game, like what was happening? Why do you love being this? Um, I just found that their answers were like, actually quite empathetic, like that they were thinking about why this person would be like the bad guy, right? Like there's mm-hmm, this whole, mm-hmm. they create these whole backstories. And that is a really good entry to kind of saying like, yes, at, at, no one is acting in a vacuum. Like uh, to understand that your kids might understand that being perceived as the bad guy, like that person had some kind of motivation to be that right or wrong and experimenting with those kind of things, I think is great. I do want to say that on this good guy, bad guy, you can lay down some ground rules. Are you even a parent if you've never had to yell like no sticks at some child? Like I, <laughs> the amount of times. No, you learned that in the first day of parenting class. <laughs> yeah. I mean, put I joke the that I was going to put it on a t-shirt because <laughs> I have to <laughs> say it so much. I, you know what? We're all nature play, pick up the sticks. It's like I always end up yelling no sticks because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a stick is, it's a sword, it's a bat. They're, you know, wielding it around. We did make just a rule that in our family, we do not play guns. Like, so uh, nothing can be a gun, nothing can. And as soon as I see that, the thing ends. That is our family's rule. And I just explained to the kids, um, guns kill people. We don't play Mm -hmm. things that kill people. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. that's just not um, something fun. It's not, I want you to have a healthy respect for what a gun is. And so therefore playing with them is not okay. And that has yeah. been just like our hard and fast rule. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, to the point of do, which do they even push like, back. No, I mean, um, no, they have certainly been to houses where that rule is not true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been some like we don't even really play with like water guns, squirt guns, nerf guns. Um, they have played with them at other places, but I just have expressed like my discomfort with it because like the purpose of a gun is to kill or hurt something. And that to me is not a children's play thing. Yeah. But when they play at someone else's house, you're cool with that. I can't do anything about it. I mean, right, I've right, expressed right. to them that. like, yeah. I don't, I don't love that, but I can't make those choices for you when they're there. And different people have different rules. I, you yeah. know, what else can I do? So I want to say it's okay to set like boundaries with that. And, and listen, two of my kids fence. So like any stick is going to become a sword and yeah. allowing them to play some of that out and also get hurt by the stick in that way, I think is a very, very natural thing. I do think we should separate out though, this like no girls thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Totally. I definitely think that that's the issue that needs to be addressed here, you know, and I get it because your child, we don't know exactly how old they are, but, you know, likely at an age where they're noticing the differences or the perceived differences between boys and girls, and they're really interested in how people are cataloged and grouped, you know, and there's a level of self-segregation that boys and girls do in classroom settings, you know, on play dates, like they tend to um, cling to each other at a certain point, but you really want to talk to them about why that's not cool. You know, like girls are fun. Girls are people. Yeah. Girls are equal to you. You know, um, you definitely want to make sure that you're talking to them. I mean, this is the healthy masculinity conversation that you want to have, you know, like you want to talk to them about respecting girls and women as their peers, you know, and why it's important to have relationships with them, Mm -hmm. you know, and that a lot of young men miss out because they're not choosing to have real friendships with girls. You know, they're thinking they only need to be with other boys and, you know, in terms of thinking of someone's long-term relationship to gender and to people of other genders, it's important that you start early by having those healthy relationships and playing together, you know, and that you may find that the girls want to play some of the same things that you want to play, you know, and that some of the things the girls play are really fun too. I would like this person to delve into why why no girls? And um, when we've had that in our house, I've always just tried to ask, like, well, what's the motivation? Like, as opposed to being angry about it, because um, I do think, like, my initial reaction, raising three boys, when they do things like this, is, like, ang- like anger at myself, anger at them. So being, like, calm and just being like, hey, why? Because maybe it is actually they want to play big kids and and not little kids, right? And that is, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, then here are some ways that we can do that. Is there something that we can have the, the younger children playing with us? But I understand these are things you want to do with kids that can do more, right? What Because the letter mentions like, well, maybe it's this little sister um, thing, you know? But when we use the language, no girls, we're shutting off this whole door to friendships and to people. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the other thing that's worked with with my kids is to say, like, what if you and the family said no girls? Then I would be left out from all of like I'm excluded. And how does that make me feel? Because I'm a girl in their life that they care for. And I think that has made them see like, oh, yeah, my, you know, mom would be alone, which listen, sometimes I'm asking for. But 
they can empathize that I would feel left out because if I said, well, everyone in the family, unless you're 11, you know what I mean? Or unless you're this, they can understand how them being left out would feel. I also think, and I don't know if you guys do this, but we have a playground rule that is just everyone can play. I mean, that's probably my shirt would say no sticks. Everyone can play. It's like if we are in a public place playing so not at our ha- at our house you know i can say like okay the little you don't want your brother to play or you don't want this to play we can work that out but if you are on a playground or you are somewhere playing everyone gets to play the game i don't care who they are i don't care how old they are i don't care whatever yep. we make space for everyone um, yep. and that's just the rule and if we can't do that then we need to leave yeah i really recommend this article that we'll put in the show notes. Should parents be concerned about violent play? There's a quote in there that I that I thought was really helpful for this piece. It's from uh, Dr. Diane Levin, who's a professor of early childhood education. She writes that many toys, shows, and video games convey the idea that violence is a de facto part of masculinity. This can make it harder for boys to opt out when a game goes beyond their comfort zone, or to explore play about themes they feel that, or to explore play about themes that feel quote girly. Dr. Levin suggests offering plenty of alternatives rather than banning violent content or to the point of this, you know, exclusionary content. In preschool, let boys play with dolls and dress up clothes. Later, offer books, games, and movies with nonviolent themes alongside whatever their friends are watching. So just like, you know, broadening the idea of like what it means to to be a boy and that it's not dictated by this video game or that movie. But it's like, no, I mean... Also, making sure that your boys are consuming content with female protagonists, mm-hmm. you know, That's TV shows, books, movies, heroes in real life, you know, that the idea of who's a hero, who's cool, who's important isn't limited to boys and men. Like, I've had one of the kids tell me, like, well, girls don't want to play this game. And I'm like, OK, I mean. If you've offered or if someone comes comes up, right? But there are plenty of girls who do want to play this game, whatever this weird game is, right? That you're playing, you're collecting things in the woods or running around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for you to decide who wants to and doesn't want to play. If yeah. there are girls, boys, whoever that don't want to play your game, that's totally fine. Uh, but you don't get to assume that's that right. they don't want to yeah. play. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, Letter Writer, thank you so much for listening and writing in. We hope our suggestions helped. Please follow up. We love follow-ups. And if you're a listener with a burning question or you just want to chat, drop us a line at slate.com or ring us up at 646-357-9318. Seriously, we're all ears for your questions, so send them our way. And that's our show. Subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening.